From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We are wrapping up our In Her Boots podcast series with F.L. Morris of Grassroots Farm, diving into a newer passion of hers, CBD hemp. Are you curious about growing hemp and needing the basics? This is the episode for you as F.L. navigates us through key terms, things to think about, and future opportunities. F.L. Morris is a first-generation, certified organic vegetable and pastured livestock producer, running Grassroots Farm in Monroe, Wisconsin. FL is a founding member and president of the South Central Wisconsin Hemp Cooperative, the first organic farmer-led hemp cooperative in the state. We are wrapping up our In Her Boots podcast series with FL Morris of Grassroots Farm again, taking things in a new direction this time, something I know very close to your heart and has been a fairly new passion, but intense for you, of hemp. And I find this so fascinating because our sustainable and organic ag community is really at the cusp of something huge and new. And we are all pioneers wherever we look at it, right? Whether we're growing it or we know people growing it or we're buying it. It's kind of like the Wild West almost, right? Nobody knows mm-hmm. what's coming next or or looking back, things might have been done differently or, or, or. But the point is you are a true leader in something that is a game changer for farmers, both here in Wisconsin, but throughout the country. Mm -hmm. But we wanted to start with the basics because as you'd be first to admit, there's so much buzz around CBD and hemp and all of the related buzzwords that it's easy to lose information, Mm -hmm. period, right? Mm -hmm. So when you talk about hemp, what are you talking about as a crop? So yes, we are on the leading edge of a brand new market. How often do farmers get to tap into a new market? Um, it's really very exciting. And when when I talk about hemp lately, um, I'm talking about CBD hemp. Now, the definition of CBD hemp was is when a marijuana plant was bred to a grain or fiber plant. So it's important to note that cannabis is a plant that has male, female, and hermaphroditic plants. That's how it breeds, not unlike corn and other types of plant breeding. So when we talk about CBD hemp, or as I talk about hemp, I will most likely be talking about CBD, which is a natural plant medicine, although the FDA has yet to rule what category it fits into. Right now, it is kind of sitting loosely in the supplement category. So we can't really call it medicine legally yet. However, cannabinoids and CBD, which is one kind of cannabinoid, it's one kind of plant chemical within the cannabis plant, it has many medicinal properties, including helping people with all sorts of things, right? Restless legs, period cramps, headaches, anxiety, PTSD, 
you name it. There's people are trying it and it's working for them, both topically, sublingually, which is under the tongue, smoking it, hand creams, there's oil products, there's CBD pre-rolls, which is another word for cigarette. There's all kinds of ways to get it into your body. So as consumers are becoming educated, um, which is a slow process because- um, And we, a confusing one, arguably. Very confusing. Very confusing. I mean, it, just to really zoom out, there are five different categories of, of cannabis. So cannabis refers to the whole plant family. Everything from the fiber varieties, which can be 12 feet tall and have a very small seed head or, you know, at the top of it that go into- all the different kinds of, of independence. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, fiber really is the future, and I'm I'm excited to talk about that a little bit. But it hasn't been our focus because before we start planting thousands of acres of hemp fiber, there's um, much need for product innovation. Um, and and just to name a few products you can make out of fiber, we're talking hempcrete. Um, you can make rope. You can make plastics. You can make car parts. You it is a material that, when processed correctly, is 50 times stronger than steel. There's wow. two parts to the plant. You collect the inside, which is called the herd. That's a pulp that goes into like the plastics, potentially biofuels. Um, and then the outside is called the bast. That's the fibers. That's the clothing, the rope, different things of that nature. So there's hemp fiber, which is really exciting. It just requires product innovation, processing of the crop, the raw material into different products, and the growing of it and all that equipment, we all have to work together to bring that into Wisconsin. And this is an organic crop. And when I say organic, I mean, you don't need, I, I don't really mean organic. I mean, you don't need chemical pesticides to grow this crop. Mm. Um, you can grow without it. So naturally, I mean, naturally, right. And we know that, that the word organic means more than just no pesticides. It's a whole different way of farming, record keeping, being in balance with nature. So that's fiber. Um, fiber has a huge potential in Wisconsin. We have a very long history of growing successful fiber. The last year that hemp was grown in Wisconsin was 1957. And what we have out there today in our countryside, our ditches, our farm fields is the next category of hemp I'm going to talk about, which is sometimes called ditch weed. But what it is, is feral hemp that is a residual of fiber hemp that mated and grew on its own without any cultivation. In fact, law enforcement has been out there torching patches and ripping up sections of it because it's natural high, naturally high in THC, which is another type of cannabinoid, the one that gives you a psychoactive effect when it's high enough of a percentage, not at the feral hemp 1% to 3% THC. But anyway, this crop has survived on its own without us doing anything to it. So that's like, yeah, it's meant to grow here in Wisconsin, right? Then we move on to grain hemp. Grain hemp is something that has been grown in Canada for 20 years. They're doing a really good job of it. They have a much more arid climate. It's an oil seed like canola. Also, a lot of canola has grown up in Canada. What we found, and I say we loosely because I just mean people in Wisconsin, in the 2018 growing season is there was 100% crop loss on hemp grain. So everyone that sold seed made their money, but all the farmers that were like, I'm going to try something lower risk because the THC is naturally lower, um, they all failed. So there's an oversupply of hemp grain in Canada. U.S. is the biggest buyer. I don't think the Midwest with our super high moisture fall oh. is going to be able to grow grain at all. So let's just push that one off for now. Um, as a result of growing grain, you need both males and females to, to produce grain. So you need an equal mix of male and female plants. So the presence of male pollen will actually bring down 
our ability to produce CBD, which is the next category I'm going to talk about. CBD hemp, like I mentioned earlier, is a cross between grain or fiber varieties that have very low THC, close to 0% THC, with marijuana strains, which is the, the fifth category, which I don't need to say much about. People pretty much understand what that is. When you breed those two together, the cannabinoid called THC goes way down. And other cannabinoids like CBD, CBG, the all these good acronyms. Stuff. Yeah, the healthy good stuff that have tons of medicinal properties, including early research on CBDA that uh, reverses the effects of Alzheimer's or prevents it. Um, there are some cannabinoids that stimulate the appetite, whereas there are others that reduce the appetite. Um, so there's there's all kinds of compound or uh, cannabinoids that cause reaction in the body because what we have in our body is a system designed, it's called the endocannabinoid system. We have an actual body in our system that is designed to respond to cannabinoids in the cannabis plant. So it's like we were made to use this plant as medicine. This is thousands of years of plant medicine that has only been under prohibition since the late 50s. So it's important to understand that conceptually also that because it's been on prohibition, no university has been able to do any studies mm. in the U.S. until 2014 with the passage of that farm bill, which allowed this tiny little window where tribes or state government were allowing research institutions to start a very limited hemp research program. And that's the hemp varietal that you're talking about and that you're growing. That was all kinds of research. Um, so yeah, I was talking about CBD. So we're growing CBD, which is a plant medicine. Now there also are byproducts, um, as in the stock of that plant that could be put into, um, more of like a fiber supply chain, although you don't get as much because it's not a 12 foot tall plant. You know, my tallest plant, I had one very tall plant that I grew that was maybe eight feet tall, but most of them were anywhere from knee high to about five feet tall and more of like a bush. Like some people think of them as a Christmas tree. And that is, it's not perennial here. It's not a perennial. Um, it's an annual. It does produce seeds. And getting back to mentioning all the experimentation around grain hemp, there was a lot of males introduced to the system. They could have replanted. There's also males out there in feral, from feral hemp, you know, that pollen pollinated our CBD crop. When we're growing CBD, we're growing female unfertilized flower is the term because that has the highest amount of cannabinoids. When you introduce pollen onto that plant physically, cannabis pollen of any kind, um, that will reduce the amount of CBD you're able to grow. So you actually have a yield reduction by having a grain farmer. And you know what I heard is many of those grain or hemp grain farmers had goldfinches eat half their crop. So guess what happened? A lot of seeds got pooped out over the countryside. Oh, gee. Plus, we have the feral hemp, which we think is the culprit of what uh, pollinated our crop. Needless to say, we still had a great CBD harvest. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of fear um, and a ton of risk going into this uh, new crop for a bunch of reasons. First of all, we don't have access to information because the research hasn't been done. There's mm -hmm. no ag extension agents out there telling us how to do this. They don't know. We now officially know a lot more than they do after growing for one year. So... It's also important to discuss the regulation of hemp and how all of the risk has been stacked on the farmer. Everyone throughout the supply chain makes money except for the farmer if they're not able to grow the plant under the F or the um 2018 December 2018 farm bill defined industrial hemp as cannabis with 0.3 
percent THC or less. That's a third of a percentage. Unfortunately, that's not really matched with science because it takes upwards of six, seven, or eight percent THC for a person to even have a psychoactive effect. Now they set this bar super low, which I found out was because of a international definition of industrial hemp that really was more for the grain and fiber. So okay. they set this super low THC level. The ratio of THC to CBD, they go together. So they climb in the plant throughout the growing season until a peak when you should harvest because you have your highest CBD at that time. Depending on the genetics of your plant, how much the plant was stressed out, your THC could rise above that um, allowable amount through no fault of your own. And your crop's dead. And your crop, well, then you have to destroy your crop. Yeah. So also what happens is your CBD goes down after your peak harvest point, which we have no data on all this, very little. I mean, a couple years from from different states, right? Yeah. um, You don't want to delay your harvest because your CBD will go down and your THC starts going up. THC is a natural plant protectant. It actually protects the plant from pests and diseases. So what makes more sense is to grow high THC with the CBD. You can grow more CBD then if there isn't this arbitrarily low threshold, and that can actually be fully processed out of the biomass, which is the term for the bulk of the plant material removed from the stem. So we can actually remove THC completely and destroy it and still have a high CBD oil left over. So what ha- I know it's very complicated. I haven't even known any of we this clearly know until, your stuff, until no. last December when the doors opened. I really had no interest in cannabis culture. Why do you see this as such an opportunity, a good opportunity for farmers? Okay, so that's twofold. When you look, okay, I'm just going to talk some numbers. When you look at the the shelf prices of CBD oil products that are creating real healing for people, which I look forward to those prices coming down because right now you're looking at the shelf and because the product isn't regulated as heavily to the product that reaches the shelf, we're regulated as farmers back here growing it, having to oh, have it sampled. Yeah. That Those products are not regulated as well. They're kind of like loosely fitting into the supplement category. They don't make any health claims, but essentially you're getting sold what could be as much as a gram of CBD oil for $60 to $125. When you take $60 and you take an, a higher or an average yield of CBD that you can get off of one acre of grow, we're talking about $2 million of retail value from one acre of growing CBD hemp. What's happening now, because a lot of farmers jumped into this, I think more than 800 growers actually planted plants anywhere from 100 Wisconsin, in Wisconsin, Wisconsin in 2018. Alone, wow. in, in Wisconsin 2018. The Department of Ag was very unprepared to do their own sampling procedure that they came up with. When you're tested late by the state, your chances of getting a hot crop test are higher because of what I explained earlier about the THC level going up over time. So if you got sampled late, you're, you're out of luck and you were required to destroy your crop which every time I say that, I'm like, destroy our crop. Go ask someone else to dry, destroy your crop. What does that even sound like? That's like asking a doctor to kill their patient. Why would we destroy a crop at the end of harvest? Because of an arbitrarily low amount and a department of ag who fumbled this one. So getting back to, where were we at? The opportunity. Why do you think this is an oh, opportunity? So What's already happened is that there's been a glut of supply dropped onto the market. First year, you know, a lot of people grew this. Processors and distributors have all the power. It's not unlike the dairy industry where 
fair dairy farmers are getting paid $16, $17 per 100 pounds of milk. Cheese processors do a little song and a dance, do a little stirring here, do a little heating up there, and they can make $22 a pound on that milk. And then, you know, let's say pick and save sells that they make 30% for putting a thing on a shelf. And I know there's other expenses. It's already stacking against hemp farmers in a way where they're being offered very low prices, even lower than the cost of price to produce, where their average yield is around $5,000 net for hemp, for CBD hemp biomass. That's really low because if you remember, I said it was $2 million of retail value on a good crop at the shelf. Farmers are being offered 5000 per acre. Well, guess what? Somebody's making money. Somebody's <laughs> making money and it's not us. And when I see these really low price offers to farmers, I know they're comparing it to, because a lot of conventional farmers have gotten into this game in larger acreage than they were ready to handle because it's it's... It's kind of complicated, and it's really crucial to dry this crop down properly. Farmers are getting offered $5,000 be able to make that much net, and they're saying whoopee, because guess what? You can't make that much on corn or soybeans. So it's all relative. So there's people that are oppressing us from the beginning. My, so hemp fiber is this whole other story where it's like, hey, if we were to do a process called feminization, if we feminize the seed, which we did buy feminized seed this year so to get because we don't need the males they have to get pulled out once we figure out their males they just get pulled out and and destroyed because we don't want to pollinate our crop when we figure out how to feminize uh hemp fiber and the processing and product innovation all come on board together we figure out how to grow it we could potentially replace all of our corn and bean farmland or a lot of it with a more profitable crop create jobs in manufacturing clean up our environment because another thing that's important both around restoring uh, damaged land but also around consumers deciding about what CBD products to buy is that cannabis is a bioremediator. It's a bio-uptake. So it actually pulls heavy metals, pesticides, and mycotoxins out of the soil. Mm. So like, do you want to smoke that? Do you want that in your medicine? No. So buy certified organic CBD products. If they're not available, really trace the source like you would your food get a certificate of analysis, ask those CBD companies, which of these products are owned by people of color? Which are companies owned by people of color? Which of these products are cooperatively owned companies, local, organic, companies owned by women? Probably none in the stores right now. But another cool thing that I think will lead to more research and cleaning up some of the mistakes of chemical heavy ag is that you can, even through the fiber strains, pull out toxins from the soil into the body of the plant. And that could then be processed into various things like home insulation, hempcrete, the bodies of cars where those heavy metals and those pesticide and mycotoxin residues are not actually going to hurt human health. So we could clean up the environment. We could bring jobs back to, we could liven up rural economies. We could like see stores come back because all of a sudden there's profit in farming instead of corporate profit in farming and subsidizing farmers, which is really just subsidizing chemical companies, right? Sure. And, and genetic modification and not letting farmers save their own seed. Like there's so much future in fiber, but with the CBD, this is the opportunity to diversify what you're doing on your farm and essentially supplement the parts of your farm, like growing food that are not as profitable. And given the fact that this is so new and 
complex in its own way. What 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 are some starter resources you would recommend in this case for women farmers, but anybody who's intrigued so, to just yeah. explore? So ask farmers who grew hemp. Yeah. We have a Midwestern culture of sharing information. It is not like that all over the country. I, I found that out. It is not that everyone shares everything. Capitalism isolates us and it kind of pits us against each other, especially as farmers at farmer's market with a limited number of customers, right? Um, not a limited number of customers who eat, a limited number of customers who are going to spend money on local ag. So talk to farmers though, because right now we're the ones that hold the power because sure. we have the information. The University of Wisconsin just recently started a hemp program. They're on a limited budget. The amount of research they were able to do in the year is so much less than the co our cooperative research because knowing all these risks that were stacked against the farmer, farmers, us in South Central Wisconsin, a, group, a small group of us formed a cooperative called South Central Wisconsin Cooperative to go at this together. And our focus is on certified organic growing and marketing of CBD hemp. So resources. When I started this journey of information seeking, there was nothing on CBD. I, I was able to get one textbook from Europe. It was $50 on industrial hemp was the title, which was kind of, we've gone away from that title of industrial hemp because it, it, it doesn't have the right, con there's nothing industrial about it. It's a medicine. You can grow 10 plants. It's not industrial. So, but I found one book. And then I realized I could look up production information by just searching for cannabis production information. And in other states where they've already legalized marijuana or all cannabis, it's exactly similar in every way. In fact, the CBD plant looks exactly like marijuana. No one can tell that it is or is not marijuana. It has the same exact appearance because it's just different in terms of what chemicals are in it, plant chemicals. Okay. So resources... Last winter, winter of 2018, 2019, I went to every educational hemp event in the state. And I was at first really wanting more information, you know, compared to going to a vegetable conference or workshop, like lots of information, lots of photos, lots of specs. That wasn't happening. There was private industry professionals being asked to sit on panels, and a lot of their information was vague. They were saying it was proprietary, and they didn't feel comfortable showing it or sharing it. But you know, it, of course, that makes sense because you know the that's just the culture of the cannabis industry that was coming from out west. It kind of descended on our state, and a lot of farmers were, are desperate. They want to stay on their farms and. They got involved with consultants or companies that were going to provide XYZ services to support them. And I could see this happening at these events. It was just kind of like, I don't know, everything I've learned so far, I think you should start small scale. So there wasn't a lot of resources or information exchanged during these winter events, even though many of them were sponsored by the University of Wisconsin Ag Extension. They just left us hanging. And then when as I started to become more aware of some of the risks and, and rewards of growing, I found myself like being part of the education along with um, our co-op co-founder, Steve Atchison, where they were leaving out very important tidbits like cross-pollination and pulling out males and spacing. We were able to speak to the gr these groups of people, which I'm talking hundreds of people at each event. If you say hemp, farmers are like, it's like magnetism. People are really curious to learn about a crop that might be profitable in a way that, that never has been before. So we kind of sounded the alarm. Even at Moses' conference, we, we held a meeting that 
was supposed to pull together at educators and be like, hey, there's hundreds of people that have applied to grow hemp in Wisconsin this year. We don't want them to fail. They're not our competitors. They're our neighbors. And how are we going to support them? And I think that it did do some good. Um, some farmer training organizations stepped up and did a few workshops, did a few field days. But without the institutional knowledge, we farmer, we have it. We've grown one year. We have nine producer members in our co-op. That means that we already have nine years combined <laughs> of different approaches using our vegetable farming, our organic dairy farming, all of our 250 years of farming experience that just the core group of us brought to the table. We now know so much more. We know about drying. We know about um, that transition between from seedling to field. We know about different varieties, irrigation, pruning, harvest, learn so much. And luckily, because of our weekly growers calls, our connection to each other, our co-op leadership, our connection to Wisconsin Farmers Union, we pulled off a really good crop this year of certified organic CBD. And we're very much on the home stretch of connecting to potentially a cooperative buyer um, who can really help us increase, uh, provide the demand to increase our supply. In every way, we're not interested in growing huge farms here in South Central Wisconsin, huge CBD farms. Uh uh. We want to spread this opportunity out to potentially hundreds of farmers around the state and Midwest that how do we build a supply chain that has co-ops up and down? That way there's equity, there's transparency. The co-op model is really, in my mind, the perfect model to approach to, to work within capitalism, but still have concern for community and where the nonprofit is really kind of limited in some ways as to what you can do with it, how you get your money, how your mission, your project might need to kind of bend itself towards the funding source. Cooperative model is the way for people to join either like a worker co-op or engage their business in a co-op where all of a sudden they're collectively running a business. They have the skill set, the knowledge, the wisdom of, of participating and getting those things from other people. You don't have to know it all. It's community minded. We all share, this is what my life is like as a farmer. Okay, well, we're working on building a supply chain in Madison and beyond where co worker co-ops take on our crop from that biomass state and hundreds of jobs can be created just from a few acres of hemp. I mean, well, go we're back. We're going to need to continue this conversation. Yeah. I no, go I mean, on for hours. It's huge. It's huge. And you are, again, the pioneering leader in this with your co-op and everything. And uh, we, we just, I know, hit the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg it there. Is. But more yeah. to come at Moses and others and mm -hmm. amongst farmers and thank you for all you're doing and we will continue the yeah. conversation terrific thank yeah. you thank you thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast I'm your host Lisa Kiverest with the Moses In Her Boots project this episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of techsocket.net the podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service Moses the mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable, organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.